0: Happy Friday, Eve. Today, we have the latest with impeachment, Trump and Giuliani, and then comedian Chris O'Dowd is here to kiki with me. So you stick right there, and we will see you on the timeline.
1: Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg, he's Zach Stafford, and you are watching am to dm mm, And
0: Alex, what day is it today?
1: It's... October 3rd. Get it? Get (laughs) it? It is Mean Girls Day because of the iconic scene in which Katie, Lindsay Lohan's character, recounts telling her crush that it is October 3rd.
0: I relate to that because whenever a man asks me anything like that that I like, I will remember everything verbatim. So I get it, girl. I get it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think just Mean Girls came out in 2004 mm-hmm. and how the one-liners are still, you know, getting still the poppin'. car loser, we're going shopping. And it's still we're on Broadway. Like Cocoa, and it's on like, Broadway people now. People love this yeah. show,
0: this show, God, this movie. Yeah. Because it's so much that it stays on Broadway and it's a good Broadway show, I hear. I have not seen it, so do not vouch for it. I would
1: like to. I think today would be a really fun day <gasps> to get to see let's it. Let's go see. I'm sure okay, it's okay, going to be go. packed. <laughs> today. Today
0: would be the day in which, because people just love, I feel like people love that show and the movie because you just know every line. You're just throwing them out there like, um, what is it, you
1: go Glen Coco? You go Glen, Glen Coco. Why is that something that's like Why? About this? Why? Who also, she Coco? doesn't even go here. I mean, there, there are so many good ones. Um, I feel like when I was in high school, uh, I was so obsessed with the fashion in mm-hmm. this movie because it was just a little bit more upscale than I think like what I actually wore in high mm-hmm. school. So it was very aspirational, you yeah. know, like love a juicy couture. Terry cloth
0: jumpsuit. Girl, same. You just brought me back. I, all, <laughs> I too, bought Juicy Couture <laughs> we because get, of this film.
1: This actually just makes me want to get matching Juicy Couture jumpsuits one day for us that. to wear. And Maybe we New should cloth. wear
0: green one day and we'll have them imposed Oh, them us. my gosh.
1: Okay, we'll have to do it. Well, let's yes. take it to the timeline. What's your favorite iconic movie quote? Tweet us using the hashtag, am to dm You got a fave?
0: Anything Angela Bassett said in Waiting to Exhale will always be timeless. Mm. Always. Like, you, you left me for a white woman... It is trash. Mm -hmm. All these things. What about you?
1: Um, I have to take a lot of the lines from Clueless, whatever, Uh, as if. It does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. You know. But it does. A line for our Times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who knows these days, but.
0: (laughs) T, T, D, T.
1: Here's a tweet from the New York Times. Amber Geiger, the white former Dallas police officer who fatally shot her unarmed black neighbor, Botham John, was sentenced to 10 years in prison. She faced from five years to 99 years in prison based on sentencing guidelines.
0: Here's a tweet from CNN. I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? Botham Jean's brother asked. Yes, the judge said. Brett Jean walked over to Amber Geiger and hugged her tightly. He said he didn't want her to go to prison and that he forgave her.
1: Joining us today to discuss is legal analyst Adrian Lawrence. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Help us understand how Amber Geiger got 10 years.
2: All right. So I know a lot of people were stunned and shocked by this and I'm somewhat not, you know, the jury probably had to consider to some extent that she is law enforcement and she's going to be in prison for killing an innocent black man. And as much as I think the prosecution requested at least 26 years, one year for every year that Botham John was alive, you know, The jury went with 10. Unfortunately, that also means that Amber Geiger is going to only really probably serve five because she can be eligible for parole in five years, which means she'd be 36 when she got out. It was very disappointing. I think that the jury was probably trying to balance things with her situation and also the crime itself and just really considering the prison and justice system altogether and we're we'll in about 10 years.
0: Mm. So what has the reaction been across the board to this sentencing of 10 years?
2: So it has been uh, a mixed bag. Largely, I think a lot of people were disappointed at 10 years, as we see a number of individuals, largely Black people, people of color, serving longer and larger sentences for drug offenses or financial crimes, as opposed to the taking of a life, which is what Amber Geiger did here, and especially the egregiousness with which she did it, in terms of coming to Botham John's apartment and murdering him, but then also not rendering any kind of a despite her training as a police officer in being able to provide CPR, emergency services. You know, Geiger really just twiddled her thumbs, you know, text with her lover, as opposed to rendering this man aid that she murdered in his own home. And so it's been really upsetting for a number of people. So uh,
1: it's been upsetting. There were some other uh, moments that got quite a reaction uh, from folks. Um, Botham's brother and the judge both hugged Geiger uh, after the sentencing. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about those moments?
2: So... It's You know, it's not necessarily that unusual for the victim's family to have some kind of interaction with the person who is convicted of taking their life. So essentially the murderer. Um, but to have that physical interaction is really kind of shocking. And it was stunning. And a lot of people understood or at least wanted to reserve for Brant John to have his own form of forgiveness or whatever motivates him in wanting to interact, I think there was a lot of shock in having Judge Tammy Kemp actually hug Amber Geiger and also hand her a Bible. And something that is very unusual is for a judge to physically interact with a defendant in terms of hugging him or her. And that's what went on here. But something I think a lot of people don't necessarily take into account is the fact that There has been a lot of issues between the Dallas PD and the Black community and people of color there in Dallas. You had three officers convicted of killings in the last two years. Also, because of this case, there's going to be an internal affairs investigation. In dallas pd and so now we have amber geiger being held accountable for the murder of botham john And so essentially, you know justice has generally been reserved for the white community There's kind of a balancing going on here where justice is being afforded, you know more across the board toward people of color Also, dallas pd is being looked into we're in a very heated racial climate with the interaction and that can cause white nationalists to be upset. Dallas PD to get upset So you're looking at you know, who are they going to blame? Possibly the judge possibly the jurors so to want to reach out and to show some kind of Sadness some kind of collectiveness to a conviction for a police officer It kind of makes some sense why the judge would do that in this case and hoping that hey She has a family to protect. She also is an elected official
0: So we saw a lot of people on Twitter, especially black Twitter, really back, there's a lot of backlash coming around that hug. And also from the police officer who did fix Amber's hair at one moment. And I know that you're talking about, you know, this is kind of symbolic. It's trying to show some kind of coming together. But do you think the community locally is going to understand that or even accept that as such a hard moment for them?
2: Um, I really don't know necessarily how the community is going to respond. The thing is, again, I think that there it's a very racially contentious climate. Also, Dallas PD is now going to be facing repercussions for the special treatment that they gave Amber Geiger. And so to the extent that the members of the courthouse uh, were trying to in some way show some kindness to Geiger and make sure that is shown and to show some collectiveness and not necessarily celebrate or revel in her conviction, to the extent that it would protect them or insulate them from some kind of maybe backlash, um, I I think that that can be understandable because the last thing that the people of color and the black community in Dallas want is to essentially be targeted in retribution for this or in retaliation for Geiger's conviction and sentencing.
1: Mm. So, what do you think we can glean about the criminal justice system at large, uh, you know, from what's happened over the past couple of days, uh, and especially uh, from the kindness that's been shown towards Geiger?
2: I think that we can glean that justice is getting a little bit better because, again, you know, historically, justice has been reserved for members of the white community, and fear has been used against blacks to keep us in our place. And the fact that there has been some justice here for Botham John is significant and so It's really important that that wave continue and so that the kind of the legacy of america Evolves toward actually living toward the promise that it says in terms of equality and all people being treated Equally and entitled to justice so we can move in the direction of actually having some legitimacy behind those words But at the same time I think that there is a legitimate fear of potential backlash by virtue of the fact that justice is more, it's that the indication is justice is being afforded to all now.
0: Mm, well, Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today and discussing such a hard topic.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: You know, I have to say, you know, I saw, I had a lot of hard conversations yesterday with friends, family, and and the people on Twitter who had reached out. And, you know, people were so shocked about this 10 years. And I think something that we should all think about is what do we want prisons to do and what, how do they function in our society? Are they really meant for rehabilitation because that's what they were supposed to be for? Um, then that means that Amber's kind of 10 years does make sense. Like we'd want to have someone in her situation come in go through rehabilitation, learn from her mistake, and be released, and then to create structural change ongoing and ongoing. So I think we're having a really hard conversation here in America about, like, what do we think justice looks like? Is justice just taking someone, throwing them away forever, or is it actually seeing them change and helping the world change? So I think it's been very fascinating to see Twitter have that hard conversation, and even Adrian was have, bringing some really interesting nuance mm-hmm. to something. But I think, again, it's interesting we're having this only when it's a white officer, yeah, not yes, yes, other yes,
1: yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Gosh. All right. Well, here's a thread from BuzzFeed News reporter Miriam Elder. Talk to Giuliani. He won't say if he has an actual agreement to act as Trump's lawyer, which matters as congressional investigators try to get information from him. Giuliani said, I have not made a decision on whether to comply with his subpoena and then said invoking attorney-client privilege is a form of compliance.
1: Miriam wrote about her call with Giuliani in this story and joins us now to discuss good morning. Hi. Okay, so walk us back for a moment. What was the subpoena about?
3: So in the whistleblower complaint that... Prompted the house Democrats to launch a formal impeachment inquiry Giuliani is named as a quote central figure in this alleged campaign By Donald Trump by the president to pressure the Ukrainian president into taking part in investigating Joe Biden in the 2016 election So house Democrats want to see various documents and communications going back to January 2017 uh, That Giuliani may have had with uh, Trump or with various people that he came in contact with while he was carrying out this this mission
0: Mm. And why does the particularity of of Giuliani's relationship with Trump matter so much right now?
3: Well, it matters for what congressional investigators can really get from him. If he was, in fact, working as Donald Trump's personal lawyer, he can potentially invoke uh, attorney-client privilege and not reveal uh, the information that they want. He's said in the past that he's working pro bono. He told me that you know, he, I have no right to ask him if he even had an agreement with Trump. So they need to prove if he was in fact working as his lawyer as a or as a sort of, you know, freelance uh, go guy.
1: So let's talk a little bit more uh, about your call with Giuliani. Was there anything else that was notable uh, in your conversation?
3: We talked for a really long time and um, he just gets very agitated and it's really hard to kind of keep him on track. Um, there's a lot of yelling and he's anytime you sort of try to ask him concrete questions, um, he starts accusing you of being a corrupt media that doesn't want to look at the real issue here, which he alleges is Joe Biden's corruption. Um, But I did manage to get some things out of him. He's alleged that in addition to uh, Joe Biden's son doing business in Ukraine, uh, that he also acted a bit in China. And I asked him if he spoke to any officials in China uh, to get more information, he said that he didn't.
0: Okay. So what is next for Giuliani as this Ukraine situation only continues to boil?
3: Well, he has until October 15th uh, to comply with the subpoena. And frankly, I think he's probably going to spend the rest of the time until then uh, taking calls from journalists and yelling at journalists and tweeting a lot and going on TV every other minute.
1: Mm. Well, we have to leave it there, unfortunately, for now. Miriam, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. Up next, Alex is reading fire tweets with Superstore actor Lauren Ash. Then later, I'm talking to actor and comedian Chris O'Dowd.
1: Fire! Fire! Welcome back. I'm joined by actor Lauren Ash, who you know from the hit NBC show, Superstore. Lauren is here, and she's gonna help me to go through some fire tweets. Can't wait. Oh, all right, good. So I'm going to do the first one and then just kind of follow my lead, okay? Beautiful. All right. <laughs> Flipsicle, you tweeted, nobody, <laughs> me in an Uber at 3 a.m. trying to convince the driver to stop for food. <laughs> have you ever been this girl? <laughs> Absolutely. I am this girl on the regular. <laughs> really? Absolutely. I,
4: I've, I've tried like, sir, sir, I'll, <laughs> you can get whatever you want. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go cover for it. it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not proud to say that I have done this recently and it was at an
1: Arby's. You know, I want to try it. I don't you know. know? I, I, I want to try. I'm going to do this sometime. But I don't know if there's like an Arby's around here to go to.
4: Oh, it's a yeah. very rare thing. I think there's only one left in LA. And let me yeah. tell you, we were in a Tesla and we certainly oh, went through that drive through. Yeah. Like a fancy Uber Lyft situation. And so, I ate that yeah. beef and cheddar in the back seat. Good for you. He should never have trusted me. <laughs> Not at all. All right, this tweet is yours. My go. Tay, you tweeted. My friends who do coke, I'm going to stop vaping because, like, the news said it's dangerous. You know, but, like, still do all of those other things that are bad for you. I know. I mean, now all the statistics are coming out, too, where it's like, you know, there's so many people that are dying from other things, but we have this little bit of vape deaths deaths and get rid of it. Yeah. So
1: I I heard a story that uh, your boyfriend set off uh, an alarm. (laughs) <laughs> because he was vaping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're no longer together, but it is okay. a pretty
4: great story. He it was. Uh, <laughs> it is the first time he spent the night at my house. He couldn't sleep, and I have a, a, a security system, and so rather he didn't know how to turn it off. So rather than go outside, he went into my bathroom and started vaping and set off the smoke alarm. I turn off the the, the security system, go to bed. About ten minutes later all these sirens, there was like four giant wow. fire trucks. I'm in like a crop top and underwear. And then one of the firemen just wanted to talk about like real estate. He was like, hello, how <laughs> long you own this house? would you pay for
1: this? And I'm like, it's four in the morning, buddy. Like, really, sir, do we have to do this? Yeah, uh, well, so I not mean, the best. You know, a, a good story. Great so, story. Thanks for that. But anyway. also go outside to vape, guys. Yeah, also do that, also do that. Yeah. Katie, you tweeted. Like to buy fruits and vegetables and never eat them and have them rot in my fridge to remind myself that I'm incapable <laughs> of change and I'll always be a cupcake-eating bitch. <laughs> and I gotta say, true words have never been written about me. A That's
4: oh, who I am. We're all a member of this club. Let's be honest. <laughs> there is rotting kale in my fridge currently. Yeah. And I was like, kale chips. Real. You can make these unhealthy. You can take this and make it bad for you, and I still haven't done it. No, no. I no. mean, all of my all my veggies always go bad, so. Yeah, yeah, you and me both, baby. All
1: right, this is the Tweet of the Day, so we're going to push the button together, but then you're going to read it. Okay. Okay. One, two, three.
4: Tweet of the Day comes from me. Ah, I'm at a (laughs) nail salon, and there's a little girl's seventh birthday party happening. I just heard her say to her friend, did you hear? That girl got brainwashed. She has a boyfriend now, and he brainwashed her. I wish I could say this changes as you get older, (laughs) B-Day girl.
1: (laughs) Tell me about this moment.
4: This was was literally within the past week, and it was, yeah, there was this beautiful birthday party happening. She was very gregarious. She came up to me, she said, it's my seventh birthday. I'm the birthday girl, that's why everyone is here. And I was like, fabulous. And then I overheard this interchange and I was like, my gosh, kids do say the darndest things, first of all. But secondly, I was like, I wanna know so much more. Like, is this something that she's overheard like her mother say? Is this something she's heard on television? But also, I was like, it was also very wise that she was like, you know what, this friend that we know, She's uh, she's giving it all up for a
1: man, which is never a good move. No, never ever a good move. Well, no. it's very funny, but I do want to talk a little bit about Superstore. Yeah. Um, I want to start with this tweet from Nish who said, when I first started watching Superstore, I hated Dina, <laughs> but now she is one of my favorite characters. She cracks me up, oh my fucking God. Um, your character is hilarious. She's a fan fave. What do you think resonates with people so much about her?
4: You know, I think it's a lot of things. I think that we all know somebody who's like this in our real lives. I think people also really respond to her confidence. Mm. Uh, um, and the fact that she is kind of just like, I am the hottest woman on the planet <laughs> and I think any man should be so lucky. And so I think especially a lot of women have really yeah. kind of like taken to Dina and her as being kind of like a symbol for self-love and, and true confidence in yourself. Yeah, is, are there
1: any parts of her
4: that you take with you when you leave the set? You know what? That is something that I I have been trying to work on this year. I've been, my New Year's resolution was like, no more negative self-talk about my body mm. in any way. And I, part of it really honestly was from playing Dina. I mean, I mean, there's some similarities between the two of us. I'm not a psycho, but you know, I do like the rules. Um, <laughs> but that's something that I did take from her where I was like, you know what? I think she's doing this right. I think that she's got the confidence and and why shouldn't she and why shouldn't I? Mm.
1: Now season five picks up just hours after uh, Mateo has been taken away yeah. by ICE. Um, what was your reaction when you first saw that in the script? I mean, I was astounded that we were doing this storyline
4: at all. When we read the season four finale, America Ferrera and I were sobbing at mm-hmm. the end. Um, obviously for a multitude of reasons. Um, uh, about the, the real life, but also our relationship to these characters. Uh, when I read the, the season five opener, I thought it was great. I thought that it was a really nice way of coming back in because obviously this was like a huge mess. Mm-hmm. How do we get these characters out of this? Um, but getting to kind of have a look at what that might kind of look like for someone in that situation, I thought was beautiful. I thought the scene between Mateo and Cheyenne towards the end uh, where she's visiting him in the detention center, I mean, it made me sob. I'm getting goosebumps now. Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think it's a really cool thing that we're talking about it.
1: When you have that, uh, when, when you're tackling these themes um, as part of the show and part of the job, uh, does that make you think more about it just in your own life? Was it something that that you were already thinking and talking about? This
4: specific issue, certainly. I mean, we talk about a a lot of things on the show, but Mm -hmm. I think that part of that too is that we've established that they live in the world that we live in this moment. This isn't like an alternative universe, like Trump is their president, like he's our president, like we are living in the same kind of environment. So it feels like A, it's a great opportunity to get to talk about things, but also it would almost be weird for us not to address them because this is what's really going on in the world, so why wouldn't we wanna see these characters going through those things?
1: Yeah, well, we have to talk about Dina's birds. Yeah, Will she ever get over the heartbreak?
4: I mean, that's a great question. I think that obviously in season five, we see that even in the first episode, she is not over this. This is very close to the surface for her. Her anger at Garrett is is overwhelming. Um, But you know, I think what's really sad is that the fans have been begging (laughs) since season one, let's meet the birds, and then we show them the birds, and in the same episode they meet the birds, we take them all away. So that's definitely, definitely caused some uproar in the social media world that I've witnessed anyway. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I do want to ask about um, your castmate, Linda Porter. Um, Sadly, Uh, she passed away. I'm so sorry. Um, Do you have a favorite memory from her on set? I do. Linda Porter,
4: who played Myrtle, was truly the most vibrant, energetic, enthusiastic actress. It was... I said in a tweet that I wrote about her and it was true, I don't think anybody loves Superstore more than Linda and she had been sick and and working while she was sick for a while which again was just so amazing but my favorite memory of her was actually the first time she was on the show there was a pizza party as part of the episode and that woman, she literally in a take she started eating a piece of pizza and someone said to her like, you know, you continuity, you're, every take you're going to have to eat that and she's yeah. like, I'm aware, and she <laughs> ate that pizza in every take. And I was like, I like your style, lady. Like, she was like, I'm just hungry. This pizza's good. Um, she was truly hilarious, and she will be very,
1: very missed on our set. Yeah. Well, that is such a lovely note to end on. So, to. Yes. thank you so much for joining me. This thank was so you. So much fun. Such a pleasure. And you can watch all new episodes of Superstore Thursday nights on NBC. Up next, we're going live from the district. Here's a tweet from Scott Bixby posting this deleted political headline. Just another day in Fucknutsville.
0: (laughs) We understand a lot is going on in Washington with all of this impeachment news, so let's go live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Nice haircut,
5: by the way. Thanks. I'm okay with it. I don't know. I go back and forth.
1: Looks great. All right, well, let's dive into the news. Uh, Starting here, what do we need to know about the status of the impeachment inquiry today? (laughs)
5: <laughs> well, uh, today we have uh, Kurt Volker, Volker uh, former uh, U.S. envoy uh, for the United States to Ukraine, who is going to be testifying before the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, this is, I mean, in some ways, the real uh, start of the impeachment inquiry. Of course, it has been already under underway, but this is a big step. This will be talking to someone who was uh, involved. We don't know exactly to what degree. This is a, a person who... Actually flew to the Ukraine right after the the day after the Trump the July twenty fifth call between Trump and the president of Ukraine, which is now of course uh, quite famous for the alleged quid pro quo. Uh, Volker apparently went to Kiev to try to help the Ukrainian government navigate Trump's demands. I mean, this is a guy who we who is well respected by both Republicans and Democrats. Um, the extent to which he was involved in this, how he was involved in, in with uh, Rudy Giuliani, whether he was trying to uh, mitigate the damage. Uh, we just don't really know. So that's why his testimony is going to be so interesting. Also, you know, the fact that he resigned basically without explanation uh, just at the end of last month there. I mean, there's, there's just a lot, obviously, that they'll be asking him about.
0: Mm. Okay. So tell us about yesterday and this uh, President Finland situation in the press conference. What happened?
5: I don't even know what, I mean, it, it was a, a wild <laughs> meltdown, even by Trump standards. Uh, what do you even say? I mean, the poor president of Finland had to sit there uh, just awkwardly uh, as the president kind of railed against reporters. At one point, uh, demanding a reporter ask the president uh, of Finland a, a question over and over when, of course, everyone was trying to ask him about impeachment. Uh, uh, I think also my favorite part was when he just really, really went hard after the Washington Post um to saying, you know it's fake news, they can't be trusted. They're disaster, completely unethical and all that. This was based on a story uh that Trump had suggested building a moat and the southern border and uh shooting people who try to cross it in the leg. Uh so really railed against the Washington Post against that. Uh Washington Post didn't write that story. That was a New York Times story, so he didn't even have the target of his ire correct. Uh but that was about par for the course yesterday. It was really one for the ages.
1: Um, My personal favorite part was when the president of Finland had to, like, swat Trump's hand off of him. (laughs) It reminded me of, like, having to sit too close to any man ever on a subway, but I digress. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Schiff and Pelosi. Um, How have they been handling uh, the attacks? What's happening there?
5: Yeah, so, I mean, they're trying to take the high road on here. It was actually kind of amusing because Nancy Pelosi uh, and Adam Schiff, the head of the House Intel Committee, had a press conference yesterday where they're trying to look, you know, play this down the middle, look you know, determined, serious, not try to engage in some of the personal attacks. Uh, And, of course, one of the main attacks against, in particular, Pelosi, but all Democrats, has been that they are do-nothing Democrats and that this has uh, completely consumed their agenda and they're not working on behalf of the people because they're obsessed with impeachment. And Nancy Pelosi came out and try to talk about uh, some drug pricing legislation and some of the bills they'd passed uh, and solicit questions on that, which, of course, no one wanted to ask about because everyone is of, uh, completely focused on the, the chance that we might be impeaching the president sometime by the end of this year. Uh, but so they're essentially trying to you know, preserve a bit of, uh, at least the appearances of uh, neutrality and fairness because, of course, they have a very tricky road to walk. They have, even now, Democrats who have not signed on to the impeachment inquiry A lot of moderate Democrats who are up for re-election in swing states, in red districts. And so they need to, you know, they need to be careful. They need to be cautious or at least give the appearance that they are being cautious and even-handed.
0: All right. They got to be careful. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. And the haircut looks good. Don't worry about it.
5: (laughs) Well, thanks. And uh, a shout-out to Kyle, who has been our DC producer here (laughs) since the very beginning of the This is his last uh, week. He's leaving us for the West Coast. You people at home cannot see him right now, but he's standing behind the ha- camera, getting increasingly embarrassed. There he is. Oh, we Kyle. love you, Kyle. Take care. will miss you. Hey. Woo! Oh, I'm so
0: sad. Don't leave, Kyle. He was my uh, Naruto expert. Oh my
1: gosh, that's right. Yes, that's, right. that's
0: how I learned everyone. If you yes. wondered that, so anyway. Well, up next, I sit down with the stars of Raising Dion, Alicia Wainwright, and Jason Ritter. Here's a treat from Black Girl Nerds founder, Jamie Broadbacks. You guys are gonna fall in love with Raising Dion. Such a beautiful story that every kid should see, and adults like us will appreciate it too. And joining me now are two of the stars of Raising Dion, Alicia Wainwright and Jason Ritter. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Hi. you for
1: having
6: us.
0: It's so fun, I was binging the show last night. Oh, nice. So I was very excited to meet you both today, and you were doing a fantastic job on it. So let's just jump right on in, because we have a clip from the, the great show on Netflix.
6: Hey, babe, it's time to go. Just put your dishes in the sink, okay? I don't want any more ants. Now, Dion!
0: Oh my god! I wish my cereal did that. I know. It was so <laughs> challenging
6: cool. to eat, though. Uh, <laughs> just pick, pick, pick.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, Alicia, for those who are not aware, what "Raising Dion" is? Can you tell us what is the show about?
6: Um, so the show follows a single, widowed mother to a seven-year-old boy, mm-hmm. um, and you're kind of tossed into what is probably one of the worst days of her lives. Mm-hmm. It's just like super challenging day. Her kids having trouble making friends at school. She comes home and then finds out that he can move things with his mind. (laughs) 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 Typical (laughs) day Yeah, yeah So it just kind of really elevated how crazy her day became Mm -hmm. And so the show is just about how She continues to raise her son in a really positive way With the help of his godfather played by Jason And um, kind of, you know, help him come into his own While Mm -hmm. still trying to keep him safe
0: Mm. And Alicia, you bring up something I want to bring to you, Jason Is that this show does a really fantastic job Of balancing both a family drama And also a superhero show What was it like to kind of balance those two?
7: Uh, well, that was the thing that I loved about it so much. It was that, that, that at the core of it is, you know, the struggles of trying to shape a young mind and try to, you know, make sure that they feel like they're doing okay and the, the, Fear of watching your son go off to school for the first time and the hope that he'll make friends and you know and also be himself is is same whether you ha- your son has superpowers or not mm-hmm. um, and it was it was really fun to jump between those two worlds to have it be really grounded in reality and then do a scene where it's like you know now, remember, things are
0: floating all around you
8: in this
0: one. Because <laughs> the things weren't actually floating. That was they weren't, string. unfortunately, yes. yeah. That's yeah. not a real thing. Yeah. It's not scientific. When I, I signed mean, up, I thought it would be real, but <laughs> apparently it's
6: I, I all special say, effects. Some of the stuff that you see is actual uh, special effects. So okay. there you know, would be a guy in the back with a tiny little string kind of floating <laughs> stuff, and then you know he's conveniently placed just out of frame. <laughs> so uh, for that, it was actually really great for Josiah, uh, who plays Dion, mm-hmm. because he was able to actually see. It felt something. real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And even more magical because, you know, if he can, I mean, it's just a little fishing wire that they cut in post. So, you know, he's really believing that. And you're sitting back like, that's not real, but it's fine. I mean, it's cute. (laughs) He's so cute with those little cheeks and like, he's just, yeah, living in the moment. I was, yeah, let that happen. I
0: love that you're fact checking that because before being an actor, you were a tropical biologist, correct? Yeah. (laughs) So I have to ask, what was it like uh, doing a show that has more of a science edge? Because we get into some science throughout the show. Mm -hmm.
6: Well, I love it. I was a huge science dork when I was a kid and, and, you know, some people argue maybe it's not cool but where I grew up um, being smart was cool Mm -hmm. and um, making good grades was kind of the cool thing to do and I recognize not everyone grows up that way but I love that Dion's characters is in love with science Mm -hmm. and math and his father is this prestigious scientist and researcher and to have, you know, like, Young black people kind of projecting mm-hmm. that like science and STEM research is great yeah. and something that can be cool I mean I hope it inspires people to kind yeah. of follow I think their it,
0: lead and I think it will watching it I was like I should have studied more in this area and stuff, I, <laughs> <laughs> I failed at the science well, you're you-
4: doing alright though you're doing alright <laughs> you
0: hear that mom my mom's a scientist so that's awesome yeah. fun fact well you bring up uh, his dad who is played by Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. uh, who also is the executive producer of the, the show and what I have to ask You know, people love Michael B. so much. What was it like doing these scenes with him, especially with you, because you do the flashbacks when he's alive?
6: Um, I mean, it was fantastic. He was involved in the project from very early on, and and, uh, he, with Dennis Liu, who created the concept of the show and and Netflix, have been kind of shepherding this project for many years. Mm -hmm. So I know it's kind of a passion project for them. And, uh, you know, so, and it's one of his, uh, Michael's first uh, producing projects. Uh, So I just felt really privileged to be able to kind of carry the show with Jason Mm -hmm. and And then, of course, working with him is just so much fun. I mean, everyone was so excited when he came on set and, like, crew members that like didn't wear makeup were like wearing makeup some days. I was like, what? True. you don't do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's on Sunday, so your hair looks real nice. That's, yeah, that's cool. yeah, You're
0: like, really girl? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> that's
6: some of some guys funny. Too. I yeah. forgot about
0: that. I would have to say if I was an assistant on the show, I'd be coming up looking great. Yes, yeah, yeah, sharp. yeah. i like, how do you like your coffee, Mr. Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm <laughs> moving on from no. there. So, you know, when the fil- or the show was announced, there were some discussions that erupted around colorism because, you know, Um, the show is based on a comic book and folks were pretty dark-skinned. I was wondering what you all thought about that discussion uh, around the show's casting.
6: Well, I mean, obviously it's a conversation that's constantly evolving as uh, there are more projects that put black people at the forefront. And for me, what I gravitated towards was the story. Mm -hmm. And I didn't cast myself, but I am proud to be a black woman and I feel completely integrated in the community. So for me to be able to shepherd a story about black people Mm -hmm. and then also a single mother, I was raised by a single mother, those are the identifiers that really attracted me to the project. But I think the conversation has to continue. Yeah. I hope that people who were kind of, um, kind of pioneering against the mm-hmm. show will watch the show and find the story worth um, and uh, watching. Mm-hmm. But I do hope that um, as more black people are in Mm -hmm. production, they will help shape kind of what we see on television. For
0: sure, for sure. You know, and as a black person, you've been doing a great job of being in a lot of major shows too. Shadowhunters, really popular. And you know, you play Maya in that. And did you ever, I know the show's not on the air anymore, but would you ever want to see it come back?
6: (sighs) That's really tough because for me, I haven't worked on the show in a year and a half. So uh, it it feels like a long time away, but I love the character and the, the people who supported the show, the fans—they're mm-hmm. just such advocates for seeing it come up. So maybe there'll be other iterations mm-hmm. of um, the Mortal Instruments that will continue in television and film. Mm-hmm. But you know, I—I I, and I can't wait to watch those. Yeah. But I don't know that I, <laughs> I can be in it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. But but I, there's so many um, different uh, aspects. There's could be a prequel, like uh, you know, other um, what are they called? Like. Uh, like a uh, branch off books. Yeah. Like what are those
0: oh, yeah. called? Uh, branch off
6: books. <laughs> yeah,
8: <we'll call laughs>
0: it. Naming a right. branch off books. <laughs> branch off. Well, you know, speaking of prequel sequels, you are in a sequel to a very popular movie, Frozen 2. Yes. Correct? Um, and you are, uh, well, you're in and it's coming out. I know you can't talk about it too much. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a very big question. Okay. What was it like recording your voice for the, for the role? It was so fun. I mean, that that
7: was one of the things I I kind of couldn't believe that I was there, and I was sure that they were gonna realize that I was a fraud and kick me out <laughs> in a second. Um, but it was it was really fun and it was exciting. And I, you know, being a fan of Frozen One, there are you know there are times where I got to sort of see a little clip, and it's just so visually stunning. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, here, you know, I, I didn't get to work with anybody, but I got to hear Jonathan Groff's mm-hmm. voice. Uh, uh, you know, um, it's a nice voice. Yeah, it is, it's a beautiful voice. Um, so I, you know, I, I felt like we were kind of friends from that. Um,
0: <laughs> I've uh, tweeted at him a couple times. Really, really reaching. <laughs> oh my speaking no. of voices you tweeted about singing in the audition I did and so you were really using your voice and yes. I have to ask will yours, uh, your songs or the songs you're in be as popular as Let It Go I'll tell
7: you that uh, I, there are yes. no songs that I'm in, in the <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. they were like
6: you we uh, heard enough but, like, you we'll got
7: the part uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I did hear uh, a song at a certain point that I but they you know it, it changed and uh it no longer it's not in it yeah. so it's yeah. gone it's been cut uh, yeah. my, my song is uh, no longer it's Jonathan no. Groff's Song cut too? I, I, well, I don't know. I, yeah, no, I, you for sure will hear him sing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're like, we can't let this man just walk through a movie without his
0: beautiful singing voice. Yes, I agree, because as you said, he's he has a very, very beautiful voice. It deserves yeah. to be heard by everyone. It does, it does. It needs to be. <laughs> so before you both go, because I know we're running out of time, I have to ask you about being superheroes. Because you're both playing, you're not superheroes in the show, but you're in a superhero show yourself. Mm-hmm. And has it made you start to think about what superhero you both would want to be? Superhero, would like across uh, any oh. Marvel, DC, one you made up.
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, Go. You got no. You have one.
7: Well, I just was thinking like, what would be cool is if you could be, you know, Superman, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. So you get all the different stuff. You get heat rays, you get Mm -hmm. you can fly, you're strong, fast, all that stuff. But then like if like days where you don't want to come into the daily planet or whatever, you can just carry like a tiny little thing of kryptonite that makes you really believably sick.
0: Uh, <laughs> Wait, you want to be Superman
7: so, so
5: you, you can, can call
0: him. out of work?
6: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> like, not even like all of the other
6: really incredible attributes of him. Is no, it's just so, like, like <laughs> nice to be like, uh,
7: yeah, yeah, just a little bit. You can like sort of do. I I wanted him to do more experiments with like small doses of kryptonite just to see like does it does microdosing? it microdosing? you, like <laughs> yeah, <I love, laughs> microdosing kryptonite.
0: <laughs> I think we can. <laughs> I actually love this idea of creating like the like the the new version of Superman as a, a superhuman person who. Like, actually, doesn't want to save the world, is over yeah. everything, and is trying to get it. like, I
7: have a deadline tomorrow for this <laughs> paper, the
0: uh, article, and I just don't want to do it. Oh, God, I relate to that <laughs> as a journalist. Well, we have run out of time, but this has been quite lovely to meet you, you both. And for everyone out there, season one of Raising Dion will be on Netflix this Friday. Up next, Chris O'Doubt is here. Will and Grace star Eric tweet tweeted this. I'm slow to this particular party, but in case you are too, Get Shorty on Epics is as good as anything I've ever loved. I downloaded it on iTunes and binge season one on two plain rights, Chris O'Dowd, Ray Romano, Sean Bridgers, and an amazing cast. Do yourself a favor. And here with me now is the star of Get Shorty, Chris O'Dowd, who you also may know from hilarious films like Bridesmaid. And this is 40. Good morning. Good morning. Eric McCormick is such a smart man. He's such a smart man. <laughs> lovely, lovely guy. Love him and will. change him, yeah. my life. Shape. Sweetheart. <laughs> well, so Get Shorty is about to premiere its third
9: season. That's right. And, you know, three seasons is a while. Are you excited about it being back on? Back on? Very much so. The show is great. I think the season is really solid. It's a whole revenge season. Mm-hmm. For those who haven't seen it, which is nearly everybody, <laughs> we uh, it's a show about these kind of mobsters who take over uh, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and I play this kind of um, I suppose a debt collector of sorts who ends up being a Hollywood producer. So I end up in prison at the end of season two, and at the start of season three, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm gonna get my revenge on uh, on my boss.
0: Revenge? Mm. Well, I I feel like you deserve revenge because last season you ended up in
9: prison. That's right. So what else can we expect this season? Some laughs, some love, some sweet sweet mm-hmm. um, carnal knowledge. Some uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a really fun ride. I, you know, the shorty in the show refers to my daughter. I'm going through this whole thing of breaking up with my wife, and so I'm trying to get my daughter back on site. Mm-hmm. But she's a teenager now, and I'm not dealing with that very well. Oh, is
0: is teenagers, are teenagers hard for you?
9: Well, I'm kind of, we're, we're slightly a rural couple, and I've somehow brought my family together mm-hmm. in L.A., and I think, I imagine being a teenage girl in L.A. when you're not used to it is, it's a great transition. <laughs> I not um, even know what that means. <laughs> Not in that sense. Okay, okay. But yes, but in all ways, I suppose.
0: Okay, okay. Well, one character I'm assuming we won't see this season is special agent Clara Dillard, who was played by Felicity Huffman. Right. And I have to ask, were you surprised with the outcome of her trial recently?
9: What was the outcome? Like, she ended up going to prison. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty terrible. Well, she's gonna she? go. It, has it happened yet? She hasn't gone yet. Right. It's coming up. It's like 14 days,
0: correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, think 14 days. October 25th.
9: Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I said. It's, it's yeah, awful. It's of course, pretty... it's surprising. It was, like, surprising for everybody. Yeah. Like, what absolutely insane news. You yeah. know, I feel for her. Like, it's, you know, what she's done is wrong. But, God, it's I, I do feel for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, prison is a tough place. Yeah. Well, you know, the show also includes TV and comedy vet Ray Romano. And I have to
9: uh, ask you, you know, who cracks more jokes behind the scenes? Me or Ray? Yeah. Uh, probably Ray. Uh, he's a very naturally funny guy gorgeous, warm man with um, a a voice that angels would die for. So um, (laughs) he's lovely to be around. Today I feel like a lot
0: of people, the last segment, someone else called Jonathan Groff's voice really beautiful. So I think um, folks, you guys as
9: actors, really are in love with each other's voices. Just in love with each other. (laughs) Yeah, that's what narcissism does to you.
0: Okay, so you recently won your first Emmy for your performance in the Sundance TV short, State of the Union.
9: How does, it, how does it feel? Terrific. Really delighted. Better than, you know, all the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Feel very proud of the show and that people are getting to see it. State of the Union is kind of like this little show about a couple going to therapy. hmm and uh, as a married man, I could relate to loads of the issues. <laughs> I think we all could. But it's, um, yeah, it was great. It's such a fun night mm-hmm. and being around so many people who, sh- you know, you, you go home every night and you share your lives with these people and then mm-hmm. you're in a room with them. It's, it's quite electric. And then you get to win. And then you get to win, which is helpful,
0: yeah. It is. And now you have your Emmy on its own Instagram show, I believe. Yes. Hashtag Emmy Does Things. <laughs> and you take your Emmy to little different places and photograph it. We have a photo there. Oh, that's her there. She's loading
9: the dishwasher and walking the dog. <laughs> so how long are you going to keep this up? Because I feel like this has to be laborious. Until I win my next Emmy. <laughs> And so for people who hate this particular segment, you've mm-hmm. got no choice but to make sure I win another essay. Yeah, yes, <laughs> so do, do this. Make sure. I don't know if you're voting for the Emmy job, but make sure, because we want to see this continue. <laughs> I can imagine that I've been putting her in somewhat more and more precarious situations, like on a trampoline and in the pool on a float. So I imagine it will halt when she perishes.
0: Yeah, I feel like a trampoline would break an Emmy. Yeah, that's that's like, exactly would, what's going to happen. I don't do that.
9: No. Here she is on the back them. of a motorcycle. <laughs> I don't think they do. No.
0: They're going to be like, Chris, you should have learned your lesson. And it's
9: also not like I can pretend that it was an accident mm-hmm. in some way. They'd be like, you've been Instagramming it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. So speaking of Instagram, you recently posted this screenshot of news headlines, including one from BuzzFeed with a caption, 2019 news. How are you feeling about
9: the current news cycle this week? What what, what is it? 27 things? I I have a feeling (laughs) there was going to be a long list and whatever it was. (laughs) Everyone does it subway that makes the person make... I guess what I was trying to talk about here is... There's a very serious headline and a Buzzfeed headline, and then Fox talking about cats. It's there's squirrels, range. in fact.
0: Squirrels are really important with impeachment news.
9: That's right. It's balance. You know, there is a blindness I think on all sides at the moment. <laughs> so, collective bias against reality. Well, <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Before I let you go, I want to
0: play a game with you. Great. Because I was watching James Corden, and you mimicked Trump's laughter. You created Trump's laughter for the audience, and it was hilarious. So I'm going to throw out some names of famous people. I'm going to ask you to give me your version of what you think their laugh would be. This is going to be terrible. I think it's going to be great. All right. You ready? Okay, first up, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yeah! (laughs)
9: I love her. I love her so much. She's great. She's great.
0: And that is her laugh.
9: Exactly. (laughs) And it's just that one tone the whole way. There's no, like, normal up and down. And it's just like,
0: "Ah, that's it. All right.
9: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next one
0: is um, a a spiritual person, Pope Francis.
5: yes, yes, yes. Yes.
9: (laughs) I am progressive, but still hate most of
0: the people. <laughs> Whoa, that's cheap! <laughs> wow, that was good. All right, next up
9: is Adele.
4: Ah, hey. <laughs>
9: I love Adele. She's, she's got that amazing angelic voice. You yes. know, whenever she speaks, she's like, "All right, car no, on, everybody?" <laughs> and her voice, and her laugh is very like trippy. Yeah, it is. I think she's the best. <laughs> All right,
0: so next up is Kanye West. I don't believe he laughs, although. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Don't believe he laughed, unless it's some kind of an avant-garde. Although, he laughed a bit on David Letterman. Or does he do that thing where he kind of opens his mouth and it looks like he's laughing and there's no sound? Yes, silent laugh. That's chic, silent
0: laugh. Yeah, it is, that's good. Yeah, okay. Last one, Kim (laughs) Jong-un.
4: You did that
9: so much. so well, so quick. Well, I've talked to him a lot. Really? What do yeah. you all talk about? His laugh sometimes, the, we talk about chess. Chess? Yeah, just those two things. Do you
0: think he's quite good at chess? He is not. And there's more tea. You were really serving us the news tea today. I really like that. Well, thank you so much for being here. That was the most fun I've had in a bit with laughing. <laughs> well, you can watch Chris O'Dowd and get Shorty Sundays on Epics. You can also binge all episodes on Netflix now. But up next, Felicia Day is talking about how to embrace your weird.
9: Ooh,
1: Ellie Brandon, you tweeted this about Felicia Day's new book called Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity. Thank you, Felicia Day, for understanding and expressing how crippling anxiety and perfectionism is in creators' minds. And Jesse Cox tweeted, Wow, Felicia Day's book is so much more than a book. It's an interactive guide on how to discover what powers your creativity and then how to use it. Be prepared to do more than passively read. I'm so excited that Felicia is here now to talk about Embrace Your Weird Welcome. Thank you for having me. So kind of just to get us started, when I think of the word weird, I, I, it used to be such a have a negative connotation growing up, and now I take it as such a compliment. So how do you define weird?
8: Uh, I think weird is anything that makes you different from everybody else. And I think I am very happy that individuality and the way that you differ from the world is being celebrated more because it's really what makes us stand out. Mm.
1: What made you want to help others harness their own weirdness and creativity and authenticity in this book?
8: Well, um... My journey has been a really strange and weird one. I was a homeschool (laughs) girl. I went to college at 16. I went to L.A. and I was like, I'm going to be a star. And that didn't work. But then I started writing and I started making videos in my garage in the very beginning of the internet. And that really transformed my career. And so... Uh, For me, my whole career has been uh, made by showing people how different I was and my different perspective on life. And in doing so, I think uh, I've I've heard that I've encouraged other people to do that as well Mm -hmm. um, and get help for anxiety and depression too. And that's just important. So when we can do something important in life, um, do it in a fun way, that's what I wanna do more of.
1: Mm, That piece about uh, anxiety really resonates with me. Um, Why do you think it is that, uh, what role, I guess I should say, do you think that anxiety um, plays for creators?
8: Well, I think that uh, the great thing is that when we're creative, uh, we allow ourselves to be creative, because I believe everybody is creative, um, we have great imaginations. We can imagine the world as being different from uh, what it is now, uh, the bad side of that is that we can also imagine it being horrible <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> Indeed. Exactly, and I am an expert on imagining horrible, terrible scenarios when I'm driving. I'm like, oh, I could this gravel truck could just spill on me because I read one time that someone died that way. So uh, great imaginations. Catastrophizing. Uh, be- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very yeah. good at that. So I do, I do believe that anxiety um, is our passenger, but it's not part mm-hmm. of who, the, who we are, and that's something I. it took me a long time to realize that this is something I can manage. I can deal with it. I might always wear it as a backpack, but it isn't me inside and just kind of separating that mentally, I talk about that a lot in my (laughs) book about how if you approach it like that, and also with a little bit of kindness, you can actually get a grip on some things that might be keeping you uh, down in life.
1: Oh gosh, I feel like that kindness piece is so crucial. I definitely feel like my anxiety sometimes actually drives me to do uh, prioritize things before creative pursuits that I would like to spend my time with. One, one thing that I thought of is like, I'm obsessive about answering emails. I'm always at inbox zero, because yeah. my anxiety is driving me to do that, when I really could be using that time in such a better way. Um, Is there a part of the book that you would recommend I dive into to to address something like that?
8: I mean, the whole center of the book is about enemies to our creativity. The first half is uh, just—the first part is about kind of discovering and rediscovering who you are and what you love in this world to redefine yourself. Because I think as you go through life, like, hit puberty, go into high school, get out of high school, go to college, get out of college, turn 30, all these, like— Benchmarks in our life make us have a little bit of an identity crisis. And exploring who you are inside, and like in a, in a fun, funny way, it really helps you refresh how you're different and how you can express it to the world. And then the middle section is about the enemies. So I would tell you, <laughs> jump <laughs> in go for the enemies. <laughs> to go for the enemies, because that is really the core of the book and what has kept me silent a lot. Um, I think, you know, as you talk about emails, I'm the same way. And, um, you know, what I do is I pretend I have an assistant. I don't have an assistant, but I pretend I have an assistant or a writing partner. And when somebody's, like, opens the door and is like, hey, I need your time, like, I'm sorry. I have a writing session with Janine <laughs> because I'm not able to value myself more than other people need me. And I think especially women, we have that problem where we're yeah. like, oh, I could be of service to you, even though it's really actually hurting me in the long yeah, run. Yeah. So if we really—I uh, think— You know, the core of the book is about practicing self-care in a way, and I think creativity is self-care because our voices are important to get out into the world. And once we prioritize ourselves, Will be healthier, happier, and also be able to help other people more. Ultimately, but after us.
1: <laughs> I love that framing of, of uh, creativity as self-care. And you have a, a previous book, but what mean, what what made you want to make this book more interactive?
8: Well, um, I'm from the internet. I was growing on the internet. I was born <laughs> on the internet. Um, and so that dialogue with fans has always yeah. been what fuels me and why I stick to the internet rather than like you know like let me be on a TV show. Although that's fun too. Um, but. Uh, But to me, I wanted to infuse that um, back and forth with the audience, which would be the book reader, uh, and what I'm talking about. Um, You know, my memoir really was the inspiration because people kind of took things out of that. Like, I'm going to go create because of you. I'm going to get help for my depression because of you. But I was like, let's make it about somebody else because I don't want to talk about myself more, although there are personal stories. Um, But I really wanted that back and forth dialogue. Also, we learn better when we talk about one issue and then absorb it. So, like, the, the act of doing something, like doing even a funny little doodle about procrastination after the procrastination section will, uh, I think, lead to us remembering some of the things I'm talking about a little bit more. We're well, getting into our bones.
1: Hmm. Well, before we go, um, I have to ask you about the magicians. That's how I was actually first introduced to your work. You have a, you play kind of a very devious character. I do. Poppy is crazy. Yes. Poppy, <laughs> I mean, she. I, we won't get into the whole, like dragon egg pregnancy thing. It was a thing. Y'all y'all can watch <laughs> or read up on that on your own. Um, do you have any idea, is Poppy going to come back? What, what's in store for you her? You know, I
8: can't spoil anything. Okay. Um, you know, I have Magicians and Supernatural. I'm on Supernatural. I've been on Supernatural for uh, eight years now. And I'm hoping, crossing fingers, I can't announce anything that I'm on. Okay. Either of the shows, but I can say that I'm hopeful and I love both of those roles, so however they need to use me, I am I'm at their service. Okay, noted, I'll, I'll
1: take I'll take whatever grain I can get. <laughs> well, This has been really fun, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you
8: for having me. Embrace your
1: weird, face your fears, and unleash creativity is out now, everywhere books are sold. Up next, we're reading more tweets. Welcome back, we're gonna get right on into these tweets. We asked you, what is your favorite iconic movie quote? Sean tweeted this quote from Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> it's a good one. I remember that one well. <laughs> I do. That was
0: good. It's probably the first time I heard a butt joke was that one. Because I love the Jurassic Oh, style.
1: you're really taking us back. Taking you back
0: to my <laughs> childhood. Well, the pearl added this quote from the movie Taxi Driver. You talking to me?
1: Yeah, I feel like the, <laughs> that. Is that is such an iconic. Would get. Yes, exactly. Jolie tweeted this from the movie Birdcage. I pierced the toast.
0: Oh my God. I love that. Yeah,
1: that's a great one to remember, actually. I feel like birdcage must have a lot of quotable
0: quotes. We're awakening. Yes, I love that. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much to our guests today Miriam Elder, Paul McCloud, Adrian Lawrence, Lauren Ash, Jason Ritter, Alicia Wainwright, Felicia Day, and Chris O'Dowd.
1: We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day.